Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the text before us this morning is the commentary on the fallen, unregenerate heart. <clears throat> speaks about what man is in his fallen, unregenerate nature. How he responds to God, how he responds to man, how he responds to the world and all things in it. It is probably the clearest commentary that we have with regards to the heart of fallen, unregenerate man in Scripture. I'm going to read something to you here from Romans chapter 8, which also speaks to the heart of fallen, unregenerate man. In verse 5, the Apostle Paul wrote, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. The Apostle Paul clearly makes a distinction between the unregenerate and the regenerate in those five or six verses there in Romans chapter 8. If you are one who is walking according to the things of this world, you are on the broad road that leads to destruction. You are of the flesh. You are fleshly. You are not one who is born of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God does not dwell in you. You are not regenerate. You do not have true faith. You are a hater of God and you are walking in darkness. Those are the two types of people that are in this world. You are either in Christ and you are in the light or you are in Adam and you are under the control, the sway of the wicked one and you walk in darkness. And you do not understand the things of the Spirit of God and they are foolishness to you because you cannot know them because you are not born of the Spirit of God. Paul, again, he lays that out and he, we've seen it before in Ephesians chapter 2. He said, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once had our conversation, our manner of living. We all once lived that way. But it's through the grace of God that the Holy Spirit regenerates the soul and makes us new creations in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5 that you are a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. All things have become new. There is a new principle in your heart. There is new affections that go on in your life. There is a new direction in which you live, in which you walk. There is a new standard that rules over you, which is the Word of God. Things are new to the one who is born of the Spirit of God. We live a different life now. We have a different ethic. We know the standard of living is God's Word. Now, it's not a perfect living. We understand that. It's not perfection in this life. But it certainly is the direction of your life. You may fall down many times, but if you're going in that direction, on the narrow road that leads to life, you are one who is born of the Spirit of God. So, the Apostle Paul then gives... The commentary on the fallen, unregenerate man. And what he's telling the believer is you are not to live this way. 
You are one who has been raised up to newness of life. You are born of the Spirit of God. You are a child of God. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Christ has made you alive. And now you are to live a distinct life. A contrary life. Contrary to the ways of this world. Contra munda. Against the world. Against the ways of the world. Against the habits of the world. Against the motions of the world. Against the philosophy and ideology and psychology of the world. We stand opposed to these things. And this is what the Apostle Paul is telling us in this text. Now let me tell you something. There is no such thing as rehabilitation. A man who has been rehabilitated is a man who has been in prison and he comes out of the prison and they say he is rehabilitated. There has been no change in this man's heart. He is the same man. Oftentimes, nine times out of ten, what happens is this man begins to hone in his craft of theft or whatever it may be. He is instructed in that prison house, among other criminals, how not to get caught next time. There has been no regeneration. Man thinks he can change the condition of this world. And man thinks he can do that by education. If we made him a little bit smarter, then things would change. No, it won't. We'll be just educated idiots. And that's what you have in this culture, in this country. Educated idiots. They're morally stupid. That's how the scripture speaks about the unregenerate man. It doesn't say he doesn't have knowledge. But the things that he knows about God, he suppresses, which makes him a fool. He's an idiot. He's moronic. You're a moron to know these particular things and suppress what you know and deny it and say that there is no God. Man cannot change the condition of this world. World peace. That's a farce. There is no peace until the Prince of Peace reigns in the heart of all men. And that will not happen in this world. That will happen in the new heavens and the new earth where Christ reigns completely within His people. The Prince of Peace reigning and ruling. And there will be peace. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Well, if we can eliminate world hunger, then the world will be a better place. No, it won't. Because it won't change the condition of a man's heart. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. Do you understand that? That the heart of the problem, beloved, is the problem of the heart. Now, I'm tired of the foolishness that goes on and passes as Christianity, which it is not. It's psychobabble. It is a synthesis of taking some scriptures and merging them together with pagan thought and thinking that it's God's word. It is not. You are not going to heal depression with pills. 
You may change my outward action, but you have not changed the problem in the heart. And the heart is the problem. And it may be a physical problem that I've gone through. I might be dealing with a physical problem that has caused me to become depressed, but it's still a soul issue, isn't it? And that can only be healed by the teaching of God's Word. And when will Christians wake up? When will it happen? When will we submit to the truth that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are deposited in Christ? Not in the world, in Christ. And that means that they are found in His Word. And to deal with any issue in my life is a soul issue. If somebody smacks me, then how I think about that, how, I, how that goes on in my mind, what I'm thinking about, will come out in my then expression of hit them back or walk away or go tell the authorities. That will be evidenced of what is going on in my heart. How I respond. Everything is a soul issue. You understand that? We're an integrated whole. We're body and soul. Well, that just happened to my hand. No problem. Well, how do you think about that? Well, I don't like that my hand doesn't work and it hurts. And I have pain in there. You're thinking about that. You don't think with your fingers. Think with your soul. And that's the problem given a Christian culture that gives in to all the psycho garbage of this world and wants to sprinkle a little bit of, of, uh, of Bible verses on top and say that it's Christian. It's not. That's as ludicrous as going to, to McDonald's and having a Big Mac and a Diet Coke. Well, I'm offsetting all the calories in the Big Mac by drinking a Diet Coke. That's the same thing that goes on with the Christian life. Beloved, our allegiance is to Christ. The Lord is Jesus. And we are not demonstrating allegiance to the Lord when we are bowing at the throne of the world. Whether it be psychiatry, psychology, ideology, it doesn't matter. Philosophies of the world, whatever it is, we're bowing at the throne of the world. This is the commentary that Paul gives on the unregenerate, fallen man's heart. This is humanity. These are the people that we rub elbows with that we used to be. Some of you may still be here. You still may be in verses 17 through 19. You may be a member of the church, but you are not born of the Spirit of God, and therefore you are of the world. You speak of as the world, and the world hears you, and you hear the world. You are not contra mundo. You are one who walks in step, lockstep with the world. And you know what? I just come on Sunday because that's what I do. That's what we've always done. It's always what I've done since I've been a little kid. Has there been any change in your life? No, I'm the same person that I've ever been. Well, you have not been born of the Spirit of God. This is what Paul says. Notice our text. <clears throat> this I say, therefore, testifying the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. <clears throat> All right. Let's break some of this down for an easier understanding. 
First of all, Paul is saying something here. I say a particular thought. I'm giving you something here. And he says, therefore. The therefore is important because it brings us back to what was previously written. And he tells us that we are to be no longer children tossed to and fro by every wave and wind of doctrine that comes down the pike. We are to be mature. We are to grow up, he says. We are to be a body that is, as we are so knit together, that every part does its share. And when you're doing your share in the life of the church, in the body of Christ, you are causing growth in the life of the church. That means we are to edify one another. We are to encourage one another. We are to build one another up. We are to serve one another. We are to be there in one another's lives. We are to be involved in one another's lives. Paul has to say, as we'll find as we move on in this text, uh, in, in Ephesians 4, that there are things we need to put off. Obviously, there are things that were happening in the life of the church, and Paul says, put them away. Those of you in the congregation that are stealing. Well, I'm not stealing, you would say. I'm not robbing anybody. Are you exercising the gifts that God has given to you? Let's start there. You're robbing God. You're stealing from the Lord. Are you faithful in your giving? Giving on the Lord's Day? Giving to help those who are in need? Are you faithful to do that? Well, then you're robbing God. You're stealing. You're a thief. You need to repent of that. You see, we think in these categories that, oh, because I, I don't do, I don't steal from people. That doesn't mean you're not a thief. You're robbing God if you're not exercising your spiritual gifts. Paul will go on and he'll, he'll talk about these things that are be put off. He wouldn't have to say to put them off if there wasn't a struggle going on in the life of the congregation. And so, the therefore tells us who we are and what God has done for us. And because of this, we're not to be like the world. But that's often so much of the way that we behave is just like the world. The church is not to be formed and fashioned after the business model of the world. The Lord Jesus Christ is Lord of His church. I'm not Lord of the church. I'm a servant of the church. I'm a servant of Christ by serving in the church. I'm a slave of Christ. I've been bought by Christ. And so have you if you're trusting in Christ. And that means you are to be a servant. We won't bow down and wash the feet of other saints in Christ Jesus. Is that, uh, is that beyond our, our pay grade? Is that something? Uh, I don't do that. I mean, I don't get paid to do that. What is it that you won't do as a slave of Christ? Serving Him, what is it that you won't do? What is beneath you? What do you think that other people should be doing but not you? You're thinking way too highly of yourself. Exercise your gift, beloved. Exercise your gift with one another. Encourage one another. This encouraging one another is not uh, been there, done that. It's not once in a lifetime thing. It's not, you know, in 1942, I encouraged that one person and I did my deed of encouragement. This is a keep on keeping on in the Christian life. 
It is a present tense imperative that we keep on encouraging one another. Putting courage to each other. We need it. We, begin, we, we oftentimes can become faint-hearted. And so we need this. Paul brings in, he says, I therefore testify in the Lord. Why does he do that? Isn't it enough he's an apostle of the Lord? The word that he writes is inspired of the Lord. He brings that additional testimony as a witness is what he is saying. I testify in the Lord. The Lord is my witness. That this is what happens. That you no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. Now the walk there, peripateo, means the manner of life. How you live. Your lifestyle should not be that which mirrors the way of the world. Now, that God's word, the the principles of scripture are are principles that don't wear out. It's not for one time frame only, the principles of scripture. They're not from one certain era of the church and then not for others. The principle is that this is how we are to live as the people of God. No matter where we are in this world and no matter what the year may be. God's word is truth. It is always relevant. You don't make God's word relevant. God's word is always relevant. And the principles apply to us. As Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So the Gentiles, the pagans, the non-Jews is what it means. We're not to act like them. Look around you in this world, beloved. Look at your neighbors. Do you behave more like the neighbors? Does it stand out That you're different. Is there a flavor about your life? Scriptures speak about that as a sweet smelling aroma. That is precious in the nostrils of our God. That's the aroma of Christ that Paul says. Which we diffuse everywhere we go. Now let's just say with regards to deodorant. You can use this flavor or that flavor or maybe no flavor. And there is an odor, isn't there? There is an aroma. There is a smell. How about perfume? You ever been on a bus or a train or a plane or in a car and somebody's got perfume on and it begins to permeate the hole? And I get home and my wife says, well, who have you been with? I said, some 90-year-old lady that was full of perfume. Because it permeates. Is that your life? Does your life permeate the fragrance of Christ everywhere you go? Do you speak of the things of Christ? Or do you walk the way of the world? Are you afraid of the persecution that will inevitably come when you stand up, stand up for Jesus? You begin standing firm and strong in the doctrine of Christ. You're going to have problems. You know, you go into the doctor's office and they have you fill out that form. Race. Human. Well, I don't understand your answer. I don't understand your question. Are there more than one races? 
well, you got Hispanic, you got the black, you got the Chinese. No, no, you have one human race. You see, you are buying into the evolutionary theory. There is one race, and that's mankind. And there are many diversities of tongues and nations and languages, but there is only one race of mankind. And I'm not going to bow at the throne of Caesar of the world because you say there are all these types of different races. It's easy to introduce that and now introduce 93 different genders in the world. I mean, you've read those forms? Male, female, transgender, bisexual, it goes on. You know, you're, you're either male or female. And it's not because the doctor says so. Genetically, you are male or you are female. Period. That's all we need. But the world tells us we need different. And the church, not wanting to be persecuted, then follows right along with the world. Okay, you told us. Okay, we'll do it. Tell me I'm wrong. We're to be the change agents within this world. We are to be those that illumine the world that is in darkness. And that's what Paul says about the unbelieving mind. It is darkened. So don't walk like the pagans. Don't walk like the unbeliever. Obviously this was going on and they were then walking in step with the unbelieving world. And Paul is saying, stop it. That is not who the Lord has called you to be. You are a new creation in Christ. You have a new standard that dwells within you. The word of God. And that will be distinct. That will be different. That will be in a fragrance and aroma of Christ. Everywhere you go. You are different from the ways of this world. I've called you out of this world. To be one set apart for my glory. For my service. To be light bearers within this world. We are light in Christ. We are salt in Jesus Christ. You are not becoming light. You are not becoming salt. You are light and you are salt in Jesus Christ. Beloved, stop putting your light under a bushel basket. Let it shine. You in your corner and I in mine. Let it shine. And cumulatively, as we begin, did you ever notice the first lightning bug that comes out? Then all of a sudden, more and more start popping out. And one by itself is just a little itty bitty glow. And then all of a sudden, it starts to light up the sky the more that they are. And they gather together and you can see them shining. So it is for the Christian. The Gentiles, the pagans, walk in the futility of their mind. Futile. It's empty. It's vain. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? It's futile. It's empty. It's vain. What does it profit if you build your life upon the sand because it's easy and cheap? And then the storms of life come and blows you away. It's futile. It's empty. Man wants to build bigger barns and take his ease. And the Lord says, in this night, your life is required of you. It's futile to have all the money in the world and to try to take your ease and do nothing. It's futile. It's empty. You can have the whole world 
and you will lose your soul. Some of these men who have billions of dollars, they're going to lose their soul. They could have everything, earthly speaking, that you could have in this world, they could have, they could buy, they could purchase. And they die and they go to hell. They lost their soul. And the world will try to trick us as well. It'll try to give us the glitz and the glamour of the things of the world to chase after that, have that, accumulate that more and more. That's better. No, actually, you're enslaved, aren't you? You really thought, you really did, you really thought that when you got your new cell phone, it was going to make your life so much easier. And you know that it's tied you up in knots. It's complicated your life. Is it a strange thing? You don't drive away from your driveway. I forgot my phone. Run back in and get your third arm. Is it that way? I don't know what it does to us. It's done something to the, to the brain. It's complicated our life. You ever do devotions? You're sitting there at the table and you're reading scripture and ding! And you stop and you look to see who texts you. And they go, oh, it's a pastor again. It, it complicates. It messes us up. It's futile, futile, futile things. We think they're, they're, they're so great. You stand in line, sleep out on the sidewalk to get a new iPhone. How ridiculous is that? The first 200 people in get a new TV. What happens? They kill one another in the parking lot. That's the way of the world. Their mind, the, the noose, their intellect, their ability to think, he says it, it's futile. They run for a perishable crown. You know, guys that I have known that have won particular awards in sports, once they get it, they say, is that all there is? That's it? I mean, I struggled and I was striving and I earned, I did so much, I gave up so much to get this, that's all that is? And in 20 years, nobody remembers you anyway. It's vanity. Solomon says it's chasing after the wind. There's no fulfillment in that. But that's the way of the world. He says, Paul says, verse 18, having their understanding darkened. Now the word for understanding there speaks about the deep thought. The deep thought of the unregenerate fallen individual is darkened. That's what they think. It's darkened. It's vile. It's corrupt. It is an error. It's deception. It's deceiving. That's the mind of the unregenerate man. Think about the things in this world. John Lennon saying, imagine there's no heaven. No heaven above us, no hell below us. Just imagine, he says. That influences people. That's antichrist. Because there is a heaven and there is a hell. How does the unbelieving mind that is darkened think about God? Well, there is no God, he says. I'm the captain of my own destiny. I'm the master of my own ship. It's all about me. And you know what? All there is, is the natural realm, the physical. And once you die, there is nothing else. That's the darkened mind that doesn't understand what life. They're in the bars drinking because I don't know what life is all about. I want to know what love is. 
Because I don't know what love is. That's the song of the pagan. You know, it's interesting. You listen to classic rock and you find all of those guys crying out as men who don't understand life and they're singing about it. They're singing about the futility of their life. Um, you can just, all the, all the songs that you've heard before, there, there's some kind of expression that goes on of a cry of an empty heart. That's the darkened mind. They don't understand. They don't understand man. They don't understand their own constitution. They don't understand heaven. They don't understand hell. They don't understand what a child is. They don't understand genders. They don't understand what abortion is. They don't even understand animals. When you begin treating animals like they're human beings, you don't understand you're created as God's image bearer and they are not. You don't understand what animals are for. I heard a Christian program where the guy said that we're part animal. I mean, I, I don't know why I torture myself so to listen to that stuff. I couldn't believe it. We are not animals. We are distinct from the animals. Be not like the horse and the mule which hath no understanding. They have no intellect to be able to reason. They are not logical creatures. They have a soul, but it's not a rational soul. It's not a reasonable soul. But they have the principle of life. They could not have life without a soul. And other people say, well, animals don't have soul. Well, how do they have life? They have consciousness, but they don't have self-consciousness. Because if they did, the first time you tried to load up your cows, they would be heading for the hills. Because they know, I'm not going to market. I saw what happened to old Joe down there. I'm not going that way. But it doesn't happen, does it? They don't look across the street when they run. That's why you see flattened squirrels on the street. They don't check both ways. Isn't that amazing? And yet people treat them, that's the way that the world is. They treat them just like human beings, sometimes better than human beings. Paul says that they are alienated from the life of God. Notice that this is the unbelieving man is, is an alien. He is foreign to the life of God. God does not dwell in him, and it's demonstrated by all of his thoughts and affections. The man who is not in Christ, who is not born of the Spirit, who is alien to the things of God, does not think about the things of God. He suppresses them in unrighteousness. He doesn't want anything to be known about God. He doesn't want God in any of his thinking. That's why we come up with the atheist who says there is no God, or the agnostic. There's not enough information to know whether or not there is a God. That is the pagan suppressing the truth and unrighteousness and trying to justify his life of rebellion against the true and living God. Man knows, beloved, the law of God is in the heart of every man. Not in the animals, in man. We're moral creatures. And we are commanded by God to live according to the ethical standard of His Word or we perish. And why we don't as believers is Christ has fulfilled the standard in our place. That's why we are not condemned. We have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. But Paul goes on and he says there is ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. The heart, the heart of the matter, the, the inward disposition of man, 
The thinking, the feeling, the affections, the willing, it is all there in the heart. Not the physical heart muscle that pumps the blood. The inward man, the soul. This man, he says, is blind in his heart. Now how will that man know about the things of the Spirit of God? How will he know about heaven? How will he know about truth? How will he know about hell or righteousness or holiness or what the church is all about? We're we're morons when you look at the world and it looks at us of gathering together to hear a sinful man preaching the word of God and you listening and singing to the Lord. They say, you guys are fools. You guys are idiots. You know, say hello to the Easter bunny for me. That's how the world thinks. Because they're blind. They are past feeling. Their conscience is hardened. That's why oftentimes it's like water off a duck's back. It takes the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit to regenerate the soul of an individual to then embrace the things of the Spirit of God. Man's heart is so hardened Man's conscience is so callous that it takes nothing other than the supernatural work of the Spirit to enlighten the mind that dwells in darkness and to bring that heart of stone to be a heart of flesh. And how does he do that? He does that through the proclamation of the Word. He does that as you go out and you evangelize and you tell people about Jesus. You talk to them about heaven and about hell and about sin and about the judgment to come. You speak to them about these eternal truths. This is the reality. You know, the running, the race, uh, the winning, the games, all that is coming to an end. The things of this world are disappearing. The Apostle John says, We are not to love the world or the things in the world. For if any man loves the world The love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And notice, the world is passing away in the lust of it. But the man who does the will of God abides forever. The form and the fashion of this world, it's fading. It is absolutely coming to nothing. And and we go out and we tell them about salvation in Christ. We tell them about forgiveness We tell them that there is a way of escape. There is a way of reconciliation. There is a way to be forgiven. And his name is Jesus. And we tell them, if you don't come to Jesus, you perish. And through all of our telling, through all of our passion, through all of our love and our care and our concern for people, people that we love, People that we tell the gospel to again and again and again. We cannot regenerate the soul. We cannot cause them to believe. You must remain compassionate, beloved. I know it's hard. You must remain compassionate. Because that's the way of Christ, isn't it? There's this individual who was lost and dead in sin and on their way to hell. And we want to get angry because they won't make a decision for Christ. They cannot make a decision for Christ unless the Spirit of God regenerates the soul. So keep on coming and bringing the Word. Keep on calling them to faith 
into repentance. Keep on, beloved, telling them about Jesus. Because that's how Jesus works. I came to faith before the regenerating work of the Spirit. I had an individual that came to me numerous times. He had just, he was a, a gangbanger, had just gotten out of prison, had come to faith in Christ through prison ministry. And he was out spreading the word and calling people to faith and repentance in Christ. And he came to me day after day after day. And you know what? I didn't want to hear it. But you know, he was a little intimidating with tattoos all over his neck and everywhere. I listened to him. We became friends. But I heard, but I wasn't believing. And then one day, driving home from work, guy was reading the Bible and the Holy Spirit regenerated my soul. And that had been on my mind, the things that he was saying. He was talking about heaven and hell. So don't give up. Keep praying. Keep talking. The church has been closed mouth way too long, beloved. Ask yourself this question. When is the last time you or you personally, specifically, talk to somebody about Jesus. It is not simply my responsibility. It is an aspect of responsibility that I have. But you as well. You go out from here as we worship and you scatter to bring the gospel everywhere. This, this deadness of a man's heart has left him in a lewd condition. He is a man who is unclean. He is greedy for gain. And he lives, you can see the darkness and the depth of the world in which we live. It's like, is there anything that man's sinful nature doesn't come up with that can be more grotesque? Look at the history of mankind in man's humanity towards man and what man has done to one another in the name of humanity. We've killed one another because of skin colors. There have been people who have been bombed because of skin color. There have been people who have been choked and persecuted and put to death and been in a guillotine because they weren't like us. That's the way of the world. The world fights for more and more. Beloved, what do you think that these balloons coming across the United States are all about? Do you recognize that China does not have the land mass to be able to grow the food that is necessary to support its own people? And we have in North America a great abundance of farmland. What do you think are in the minds of men? And don't say it can never happen. This is the viciousness of mankind. How could a man keep on over and over and over bombing a country and killing people who are not even soldiers? How could he be revamping right now to drop more and more bombs? Because he wants more and more. And that's how man is, isn't it? 
Who wants to be a slave? Who wants to be a servant? Who wants to wash others' feet? Well, it's the Christian. Because it's not about this world, is it? It's about Christ. Not easy. We have to be praying, Lord, help us, strengthen us. Help us to be distinct. Help us to be humble, but yet bold at the same time, speaking about the things of Christ. Give us compassion, Lord. Because we don't have the compassion on this individual right here who is past feeling. We get way too angry with the unbelieving world. And I'm right there with you. I understand it. But they cannot see, beloved. They're blind. And all of our railing on them does nothing to bring Christ to them. It only alienates them more from us and makes us odious in their sight. No, it's the speaking to them about Jesus. It's the care and compassion. It's doing unto others as we would have others do unto us. It's doing good to them even though they do evil to us. That's the way of Christ. It is so distinct and contrary to to the ways of this world. Paul says, don't be like the world. Be like Christ. That's a difference maker. That's a mover and a shaker in this world. Be like Christ. And bring the hope of salvation to a lost, dead, and blind world in Christ will give them eyes. Eyes to see and hearts to believe. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, forgive us for the times that we have been short with our unbelieving friends and neighbors, co-workers. We have not even made ourselves to differ, but oftentimes we act like we have. Help us, Lord. You have had mercy upon us. Help us to be merciful to others. Help us to be kind and compassionate. Help us have the mindset to know that salvation is of the Lord. You are the one who regenerates. You are the one who creates faith, not us. We can think that we are so eloquent at times in bringing the gospel, and yet it proves nothing because it's the Holy Spirit who regenerates the soul. Help us, Lord, to have that dependence upon the Holy Spirit as we bring the gospel to our family, to our friends, to our relatives, to our co-workers. Help us to be compassionate. I'm guilty of this sin as well, of being hardened and not being compassionate. Christian life is hard. It's hard to live contrary. It's hard to live distinct. It's hard to be the fragrance when you think that you're the only one that smells of the fragrance of Christ. We oftentimes have the Elijah syndrome. I alone am left, Lord. There is none else. Forgive us, Lord. Help us because we act this way when our eyes are turned away from Jesus. Keep our eyes fixed upon him so we don't become weary and discouraged in our souls. Hear our prayer. Forgive us of our sins and help us to be those change agents in this fallen world for Jesus' sake and glory, who also taught us to pray.